Mark Kurlansky is a former commercial fisherman and a New York Times best-selling author of several books. He's also won numerous awards, including the James Beard Award and the Glenn Fittich Award for food writing. And his latest book is called World Without Fish, and he's joining us today on Amy's Table. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So, oh my gosh, a world without fish. Is this what you're suggesting we're on our way to? Well, you know, it's the worst case scenario. Right. Um, if, uh, if we continue what we're doing and don't uh, correct it, uh, it could happen. Um, that being said, there are a lot of people trying to correct it. Um, let's hope they figure it out. Yeah, um, absolutely. If, absolutely. If, uh, all animals need uh, a lot of different species around for the species to survive. So if we started losing fish species, and there's a lot of species of fish that are uh, below the population they're supposed to be, if we started losing a lot of them, then we would lose other ones because they're, they're interdependent. And eventually we would lose all of them, which would have enormous consequences for the planet. Uh, seabirds would disappear and... Um, the animals on land that depend on seabirds would disappear, and so other things on land would disappear, and the oceans would go back 550 million years to a time when there was nothing but plankton and zooplankton. It, it would be a devastating calamity. You know, it's funny because uh, when you say, I'm sure people occasionally think, oh, so one fish drops off, you know, big deal. But the interconnectedness that you mentioned, the web of life, literally, we I think there's so many connections we're unaware of, too, beyond that, um, of having a species go missing is just yeah, scary. Uh, you know, it everything in nature um, impacts on everything else, and right. there are consequences that you wouldn't even think of, even for biologists who study it. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because at this moment, fishing is considered one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. You can't help but wonder, hmm, <laughs> have we been trying to be told something for quite some time anyway, just by the fact that it's a dangerous occupation? But you mentioned that there's a lot of people trying to correct this. What are some of the steps being taken to correct this dilemma? Well, within the 200-mile limit of the United States, and you have to understand that most of the fish we eat live within 200 miles of some country. And so our, you know, most fish comes from uh, waters that are regulated by somebody. Um, and there's a variety of things from uh, restricting the amount of fish that you can catch to restricting the number of days you can work to restricting types of gear to shutting off areas for a certain time um, uh, so they can rebuild. Um, and all of these ideas have downsides. And uh, what we're discovering is that a combination of them is what works well. The, the original idea was just to limit the number of fish that a fisherman could catch, but um, the problem there is that in most cases, especially with bottom fish, uh, they're dead when they land. So if, uh, if the limit is 1,000 pounds and you haul up your net, and you have 2,000 pounds, you have to take 1,000 pounds of dead fish and throw them away. Ugh. 
We're throwing away something like 27 million tons of fish a year, an uh. estimated quarter of the world fish catch. Um, so it's a it's a tricky business, and and uh, things are never as uh, uh, simple as they seem. Which is why I wrote this book. Actually, I I, I wrote this book um, originally for children. Um, and trying to just explain very clearly what was going on and what would happen if we didn't fix it and uh, what we were doing to try to fix it and what the problems were and what you could do. Uh, and in doing that, I realized that I had given adults exactly the book that they needed. Exactly. <laughs> it's something that just really needs a little clarity. It's true. Uh, it's true. And again, the book is World Without Fish by Mark Kurlansky. And, you know, there are some illustrations and there are some shout out headlines, but it is a great book for adults. Or how about the family to sit down and discuss? Because I think it's great to teach your kids where your food's coming from, the people behind the food, how it all gets there. But you Yeah, know, I think of it as a family book. Yeah. In the same sense as a family movie, a book that's for kids, but also for parents and you know, you can all read it and, and talk about it. Yeah, very important. And talking about it and making it happen is so important. Well, you mentioned some of the regulations and the governments that are overseeing the fishing. But, of course, I'm not overseeing any of that at my house with my family. What can we do? What can we well, do can to be part of the solution? <laughs> if you, you know, people always say to me, well, you know, people who are concerned about these issues, they say, uh, shouldn't we stop eating fish? And... Uh, no, you shouldn't. Right. Because if everybody who was concerned about it stopped eating fish, then the only people eating fish would be the people who weren't thinking about this, and and that would be really bad. What we need is for concerned people to buy fish uh, in a very select and careful way. Um, so that means uh, that, first of all, you have to uh, learn something about it so you understand what the difference is between a good fishery and a bad fishery. And then um, you have to uh, identify that fish in the market, which is very difficult. There's a number of websites that I list in my book that will help you, but they're very broad in general, and you, you need to know more. For instance, you know, you can say don't eat uh, Atlantic swordfish, um, and they're talking about swordfish that's been caught on a long line, but to, if, if the swordfish was harpooned, that's a good sustainable fishery that you ought to be supporting. So what I suggest everybody do is when you go to the fish market, ask them lots of questions. You know, ask nicely, but uh, um, they won't be able to answer them in most cases. Mm -hmm. but if everybody does this, it will become understood in the fish business that this is what consumers want, and they will get the information for you. Um, there, there's not that many middlemen involved in the fish business. It wouldn't be that difficult to get you this information. And, you know, it, it will become uh, extremely popular and good business to get the, the information. There are uh, some uh, fish markets that are already doing this. Uh, we need for more of them to. Um, and uh, once you have the information to make informed choices, uh, nobody will even want to carry fish from abusive fisheries. Right, because they don't want to give that answer to the consumer. So so, so I walk up to my fishmonger's counter, and I'm going to ask, <clears throat> how was it caught? Where was it caught? Are these two of the yes. simple questions? Okay. Yes. 
And then hopefully yeah. the person in line behind me will hear the same, the questions that I'm asking and perhaps ask about the fish that they're interested in. And, right. you know, it'll kind of take off. I think that's really important. As you say, no, no retailer is going to want to face too many customers with, I don't know, or give an answer of a fish that is not right. properly. They're going to go to their wholesalers and they're going to say, my customers want to know. So, uh, you know, tell me about this stuff. Yeah, and, that's uh, important. And it will eventually just be part of the fish business. Well, I want to just kind of ask you to, to talk a bit about an interesting but sad situation, and that is the orange ruffy. Can you just tell us about that before we let you go today? Because uh, most fisheries are within 200-mile limits. Uh, it says most fish um, live in shallow water, uh, Sea life is like land life. It's generated by sunlight, but plant life it draws animal life. Um, and that's where we've always fished. So these areas are very uh, re- very regulated and very worn out. So there is this desire to go elsewhere into places that aren't in 200-mile limits, that aren't under a lot of regulations and have, haven't ever been fished before. So fishermen are going to a lot of new places. And they discovered this orange ruffy in very deep water off of Australia and New Zealand. And uh, a warning sign should have been that they named it Orange Ruffy because it actually isn't orange until it dies. Uh. So they didn't even know what it looked like when it was alive. Um, and it became very popular. I don't know if you remember, but there was a period yeah. when Orange Ruffy was on every menu yes. in every fish store. Uh, <clears throat> what wasn't known, I mean, a lot isn't known about deep water species. Um, they're very slow developing, and this was a species that would live 150 years, and it didn't even begin reproducing until it was about 30 years old. So these fish that they were catching looked like normal fish, but uh, it would have been like um, uh, catching tuna fish that were the size of herring. Oh, uh, wow. They were, they were young fish that hadn't... Uh, reproduced yet. And if you attack a population in that way, you destroy it pretty quickly. And that's what happened to the orange ruffy. And that's why you're not seeing it on menus anymore. Wow. What a talk about a cautionary tale. Well, here's the book to talk about with your family, World Without Fish by Mark Kurlansky. It'll give you lots of information about what's going on in the fishing industry, what you can do to help stop the problem. I'm going to put all of Mark's information on amystable.com, but you can find more at markkurlansky.com. And Mark, thank you so much. Lots of sobering and interesting information today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Back to school is bittersweet. Most moms are torn between saying goodbye to a relaxed summer schedule and embracing the routine that the new school year brings. Why not celebrate them both with a fun end-of-summer girls' night out party presented with a back-to-school theme? You can set the tone with the invitation. Create a hall pass, a report card, or a certificate of achievement to invite your friends. Along with the invitation... Give your guests an assignment, too. Ask each mom to bring a photo of her from her school days and then use them as part of the decor. You'll have so much fun reminiscing about the styles, the trends, and the friends of childhood. And ask your friends to come dressed in their school colors or spirit wear from their alma mater. If you'd like to party with a purpose, you could ask each mom to bring school supplies to fill a backpack to help a needy child. And then I always say you want to have a party-themed playlist 
Well, make it school-themed for this one. Greet your group with upbeat tunes that'll get the party started. Think about Be True to Your School by the Beach Boys or Principal's Office by Young MC. Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard by Paul Simon or No Such Thing by John Mayer. There's lots of great school-inspired songs that you can include in your list. When it comes to decor, get creative with simple school supplies. Make a pencil vase for flowers by slipping two rubber bands around a cylindrical vase and then insert pencils all the way around and then cover the rubber band with a ribbon. You can add water and flowers and you're done. You can serve pinwheel steak skewers on small chalkboards. They're easy to find for just 2 to $3 a piece. And you can write a message in chalk on each one and present your friends with a little food for thought for the new school year. When it comes to a cocktail, serve something seasonal. Strawberry sangria is a perfect drink. It's light, it's refreshing, and pretty. And it does taste best with 24 hours in the fridge. Your dinner menu should be seasonal, too. Why not send off summer with a mouth-watering grilled filet with watermelon and bib salad? With a little pre-prep, this main dish salad comes together in a snap. Wash the lettuces, chop the watermelon, and make the vinaigrette early in the day. Grill the filet last minute and assemble the salad while the steaks are resting. And serve it with crusty bread and some herbed butter. Moms know the school year means they'll be asked to provide treats for bake sales. Give them a break and treat them with a buffet of bake sale-style treats for dessert. Use cake stands to display brownies, cookies, and cupcakes. Top your favorite cupcake with the symbol of the school year, an apple. I've got a recipe for sweet little marzipan apples that are easy to make. And finally, send your friends home with a simple party favor. Place a tin of spice rub inside a brown paper lunch bag with a note that says, Friends are the spice of life. I love Cucina Italiana rub made with basil, oregano, garlic powder, and salt. What a great way for your friends to remember the fun you had at your back-to-school bash. You can find all these recipes and more at CertifiedAngusBeef.com. You're listening to Amy's Table. It's Amy's Table. A girl's guide to living. With Amy Tobin on Q102.